Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues on in the book of Romans with part four of this message entitled, Proof of Sonship. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to know for certain that we are children of God. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 8 and verse 17. Ede tecna, and if children, kai kleronomoi, and heirs, kleronomoi menteyu, Heirs of God, sum cleronomoi de Christu, joined heirs with Christ. E per sum pascomen, if indeed we suffer with him, hina sum doxas tomen, in order that for the purpose that we may be glorified together with him. We ask the question, why do God's children are enrolled in the college of suffering? Today is Palm Sunday. They tell me on Palm Sunday, Jesus entered Jerusalem for what purpose? To suffer and die to accomplish our redemption. The way of the cross is the way of our life. Why do God's children are enrolled in a college of suffering till your death? And the answer is so they can graduate to glory. Friends, we have been considering the proofs of sonship in Romans 8, 14 through 17. The first, of course, those who are being, what's a Led by the Spirit of God. Second, those who give witness to the fact by crying out, Abba, Father. By the help of the Holy Spirit. Number three, those to whom Holy Spirit himself gives testimony that they are children of God. And number four, the fourth proof that we consider this morning that the children of God in this world suffer now that they may be glorified in the age to come. Cross now and crown later. And that is the order. For God's children, suffering is ordained for their good. And so suffering is not a surprise for the people of God. I heard a Roman Catholic priest, Reverend John Corrapi. He was sent from Texas to Spain to do his doctoral studies in the theology of the cross. But he was always suffering from migraine headaches. 
And once in a while, it goes away and he will work hard. And, and all his studies, he became top. But this time, it is too much. They are teaching him in Spanish, which he didn't know. So he called his boss, Reverend Flanagan. He said, I cannot do this, he said. And Flanagan said, what are you researching? I'm researching the theology of the cross. Did you get it? Well, do it, man. Friends, we walk the way of the cross. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, if you are suffering as a Christian, and because you are a Christian, it is one of the surest proofs you can ever have of the fact that you are a child of God. And Dr. Haldane, he said, the man professing Christ's religion who meets with no persecution or opposition from the world for Christ's sake may well doubt the sincerity of his profession. The suffering can only last till your death. What will endure forever for us is not suffering, but our reigning in glory with Christ. Every child of God will suffer here and now. If you are suffering, then rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Rejoice in the fact that you are truly children of God. So number one, a technam. And if children. Actually, it means because we are children. There is no doubt about it. Because we are children, we are children by a judicial action of God called adoption. John 1 and verse 12, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 1 John 3 and verse 1, how great is the love the Father has lavished, lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are, children of God. Ephesians 5, 1, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. So Paul says, and if children, or since we are children, yes, we are children, children of God. No longer we are sons of Adam. No longer we are sons of the devil. Friends, truly we are children of God by his special love shown in his adopting us. 
As children, we are being conformed to the image of his son. Number two, and if children, we are heirs. Jeremiah 3 verse 19, we read there. I myself said, how gladly would I treat you like sons and give you a desirable land. In other words, sons inherit. Sons are heirs. Galatians 4 verse 7, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 14, after all, children should not have to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. And the Spirit of God dwelling in us, friends, guarantees our inheritance of final and full salvation. So we read in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 22, he anointed setting his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. All true believers, friends, are children of God, not just some. All children, therefore, are heirs, not just some. There is a great inheritance waiting for us. It is the greatest stimulus for children to live a holy life in this world as we suffer. All believers are heirs, Jewish believers and Gentile believers. So St. Paul says in Galatians 2, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. There is Neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are heirs according to promise. Galatians 3.29, promise of God who cannot lie. A promise that is made more sure by divine oath. Heirs of salvation, full and free. Heirs of the grace of life. Heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Heirs of righteousness. Heirs of the kingdom which God has promised. Do not be afraid, Jesus said, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And he tells us again in Matthew 25. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. If children, heirs. Number three, heirs of God, clara no moi mente you, heirs of God. Yes, friends, we are children, we are heirs. Now St. Paul says we are heirs of God. All true believers are heirs of God the Father. 
not just some. Heirs of the Father is a unique phrase. We are heirs belonging to the Father. So our inheritance is absolutely safe. He is eternal. He is unchanging. He cannot lie. No enemy from outside defeat him and take away our inheritance. So Peter said in 1 Peter 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Yes, saints, we have treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. We are not heirs of men whose promise cannot be trusted. They lie, they die. Their wealth can fly away from them. They can be killed. Friends, we are heirs of God. As heirs of God, all he owns belongs to us. That is the whole creation. As heirs of God, we need not fear that somehow we will perish before we arrive in his presence to enjoy our inheritance. That's not going to happen. Not only our inheritance, but we ourselves are kept safe. Jesus said, I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Nothing in all creation is able to cut us off from God, our heavenly father. What he began, he shall continue and complete. Our salvation, friends, is absolutely certain. We are heirs of God. This also means we inherit not only all that Father has, but we inherit God himself. God is our portion. And we are God's portion, the Bible says. Psalm 73, we read, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. God is all sufficient. We possess God and all God has. And number four, we are also joiners with Christ. Not some, but all adopted children are joiners with Christ. There cannot be any adoption without Christ. There is no inheritance without Christ. We were sons of Adam and sons of the devil by a divine miracle. We were taken out of that family. Now by faith we are united with Christ. And so we read in Romans 8 verse 1. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because in Christ Jesus the law of the spirit of life has set me free 
from the law of sin and death. We are in Christ. Inseparably in Christ. Eternally in Christ. We are sons in his son. We are brothers in Jesus Christ, our older brother. So all our inheritance comes to us in him. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. But in these last days God has spoken to us in his son whom he appointed heir of all things. And we are united with him. And therefore we are appointed to inherit all things. Matthew 21, 37 and 38 in the parable of tenants Jesus said. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and take his inheritance. But they couldn't take his inheritance. It's reserved for us who have put our trust in Jesus Christ. He is the head, we are the body. He is the bridegroom, we are the bride. He is the foundation, we are the building. He is the vine, we are the branches. And he is the son, we are sons in him. So St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, All things are yours. And you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. We read in Ephesians 1, and God placed all things under Christ's feet. And he is seated on God's right hand. And we are seated with Christ. And he fills us with his fullness. So we are joiners with Christ. All his inheritance also belongs to all the suffering children of God number five if indeed we share in his sufferings if we are suffering with him but this if does not signify any doubt in regard to suffering we can translate this way since we are now suffering with him that is the meaning of the text Paul was suffering for the gospel daily He is aware also of the sufferings of the Roman Christians. Union with Jesus Christ entitles us to his inheritance. But it also causes us to suffer with him in this present evil age. If the world hated Christ, it will hate Christians because they confess his name. The son himself those sinless learned obedience and became perfect by suffering. He was not exempt from it. Christ's sufferings alone accomplish the atonement, the propitiation. Our sufferings contribute nothing to the redemption his sufferings alone accomplished. But the path to glory for Christ was suffering. And for us too, suffering is the path to glory. 
Luke chapter 24 verse 26 Jesus said did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory and first Peter 1 says concerning this salvation the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted that the Holy Spirit predicted through the prophets the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. And St. Peter says in 1 Peter 2 and verse 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps of suffering. Friends, we learn of Christ more and make great progress in sanctification, not in prosperity, but in severe adversity. All Christ's sheep are branded with the cross. You are persecuted because you being the light of the world expose the evil of the world suffering as a Christian suffering for Christ's sake suffering because of righteousness is the fourth proof that you are a child of God no one is exempt every son suffers If you are not suffering, you may not be shining as stars in the universe holding forth the word of life. Start shining. Live an obedient life. Start proclaiming the gospel. And you can rest assured you will be persecuted. Suppose you are a professor at a university. And you don't believe in evolutionary hypothesis. You don't believe in moral relativism. You believe in intelligent design. You believe in the Bible. The truth is you may lose your job. And you may not get tenure. Suppose you are a student. But you believe the biblical view of reality. You believe in the biblical morality. You are against cheating. You are against abortion. You are for sexual purity. You can rest assured you may get a low grade. You are working in a company and you insist on worshipping on the Lord's day. You may be laid off or fired. You refuse to participate in a crooked business deal at work. You may get fired. In a church, if a pastor preaches that Christians must live a holy life, keeping God's commandments, you may be persecuted, slandered, and you may be fired. Friends, you are not alone. Jesus Christ suffers with you. He is touched 
with your grief for you are vitally united with him so the resurrected Christ spoke to Saul in Aramaic language from heaven Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? That speaks about the unity between Christ and the church. We suffer with Christ and he suffers with us. Daniel 3 speaks of the persecution and suffering of three Hebrew children. They refused to fall down and worship the image of God that is an image of gold as threatened these three sons of God were thrown into the fiery furnace made hotter seven times what surprise King Nebuchadnezzar said look I see four men walking around in the fire unbound and unharmed And the fourth one looks like son of the gods. Well, he was the son of God. Christ is with us. Always, he said, even unto the end of the age. He's the wall of fire around us. We suffer with him and he suffers with us. He is truly our sympathizing high priest. Sympathizing means suffering with us. This word sumpasco, suffer with, is found in one other place. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 26. If one member suffers, every member suffers with him. That's the same idea. That when you suffer, Christ suffers with you. Because we are united to all the members. Church is the body of Christ. So we truly suffer with our suffering brother and sister. Friends, a mother suffers with a suffering child really and truly. So friends, when we suffer with Christ, Christ suffers with us and gives us grace to endure. Jesus told us ahead of time that we must suffer. Luke 9.23, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up the cross daily and follow me. John 16 Verse 33, in this world you will have trouble. Matthew 5, 10 through 12, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, because great is your reward in heaven, For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You can also read John 15, 18 through 25. So any evangelist or any minister tells sinners to receive Jesus, all their problems may disappear and they will obtain health and wealth and power and glory in this world. He is a fraud. He is lining his pocket 
with the money of your suffering. He is a pseudo evangelist. He is a pseudo pastor. And his gospel is a different gospel, a lie from Satan. And Paul said the same thing. That in this world, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Acts 14 verse 22. 2 Timothy 3 12. Everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. 2 Timothy 2.12 If we suffer, we shall reign with him. And James, the brother of the Lord, said the same thing. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And he said, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And St. Peter said the same thing. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice. That you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So that you may be overjoyed. When his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ. You are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. St. John said the same thing. In 1st John chapter 3. Do not be surprised my brothers. If the world hates you. What is the purpose of sufferings? When Christians suffer afflictions, they are purposeful, they are meaningful. Godly suffer for a purpose, their suffering is ordained of God. Through God-ordained sufferings, God forms in them the character of his son Jesus Christ. Through sufferings, God makes us like Jesus Christ. Afflictions work for the good of conforming us to the image of Christ. Those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. God has purposed from all eternity to make us holy and blameless for eternal holy communion. Ephesians 1.4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What is the purpose? To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself As a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Jude 24, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. There's purpose, sir. 
Purpose one, it is educative. Hebrews 12, 7 through 14, you can go home and read it. Sons are loved. Sons are disciplined. Sons are disciplined for their good. And what is the good? That they may share in his holiness. And without holiness, no one will see God. It is educative and suffering is protective. It produces something. Romans 5, 3 through 5, when you read it, it tells you, I rejoice in sufferings also. Because we know sufferings produce endurance. Endurance, proven character, and proven character, hope of the glory of God. Suffering is protective. Sufferings, friend, help us to hope for heaven. It makes us to let go the world and its allurements. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 17 says the same thing. For our light and momentary trouble, notice, produces for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all proportion. It is time that we valued sufferings. James chapter 1 verse 3. You know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It's educative. It is productive. It is corrective. Psalm 119 verse 67. Before I was afflicted. I went astray, but now I obey your word. And go home and read Second Corinthians 1, 5 through 9 also. It is purificatory. Zechariah 13, verse 9. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is our God. And you can read 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith Of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire. May be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honor. When Jesus Christ is revealed. Suffering reveals the faithfulness of God. Psalm 119 verse 75. I know O Lord that your laws are righteous. And in faithfulness you afflicted me. 
sufferings shows that God loves you. God is faithful to you. God is gracious to you. Suffering causes us to discover the comfort of scriptures. Psalm 119 verse 92. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. You see all kinds of commendation and cards from people cannot help you. You finally open the book. And there you discover comfort of the scriptures. And it is also preparatory. What does that mean? It prepares for glory. If you suffer with him, you will reign with him. And it is preventive. It prevents to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. I prayed three times. God said, no, but that's all, not all he said. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. To keep St. Paul from becoming arrogant. There are people who would foolishly say if you are suffering, you have no faith. If you only believe, you will experience no suffering. In fact, friends, your suffering proves the opposite. It proves you are a son. And you live by faith in Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 1 verse 5. For just as the suffering of Christ flow over into our lives. Second Corinthians 4, 10 through 11. We always carry around in our body the Greek text, the dying of Jesus. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing with his sufferings. But you may ask, by what power we endure these fiery trials? Friends, not in our own power. But thank God there is power of God by which we will endure it. Ephesians 1, 18 through 19, I pray also that the eyes of your faith may be enlightened in order that you may know the incomparably great power for us who believe. It is the power of the resurrection of Christ. That power that raised us spiritually. And will raise us also physically. And the same power is given to us. To live our life in this world and endure affliction. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we 
ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. We ask at times, why all these troubles? Why all this heat? Friends, God uses troubles, as Martin Lloyd Jones said, like a hot iron to remove all wrinkles in our character. He will have a radiant bride without any stain, spot, or wrinkle, dressed in fine linen, bright and clean. Therefore, Paul says, we rejoice in tribulations also. For we know they prepare God's children for glory. If you are suffering now, Jesus calls you blessed. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Peter says if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. James says blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Jesus says blessed. Peter says blessed. Paul says blessed. James says blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed, 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 blessed. We are blessed people on the face of the earth. Disappointments are truly God's appointments. Our sufferings are not eternal, friends. They end with our death. They are called light and momentary. What is eternal is glory. For those who are not children of God, what is eternal is suffering, torment, and agony. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. While Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. If you are an unbeliever, I counsel you to call upon the name of the Lord and become a child of God. Matthew 25, 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. But for us, glory, oh, that will be glory for me. Glory for me. Glory for me. A little more time. Few more years. Maybe a few more weeks. Then if you are a child, oh, that will be glory for me. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to have this biblical view of suffering. Help us, O oh Lord, not to murmur and complain and curse God help us to know the theology of the cross that we may truly know that we are blessed that we are children of God that we may rejoice exceedingly in view of what is awaiting for us that will be glory for me this we pray in Jesus name Amen
You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, a part four of this message entitled Proof of Sonship. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew. <music> 